0: You are listening to the voice of Ahlus sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Merkaz
1: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another edition of Business and Matters. With me, your host, Alameen Templeton. Well, we've had a really uh, interesting day today. Uh, this wonderful day of Yom al-Arbiya, Wednesday. Um, JSC... Just moving a little bit sideways as it usually does nowadays. Not a lot of excitement happening uh, in terms of uh, big movements. Although I suppose you could see the top 40 going up one percent today. That's usually quite exciting. I mean, a one percent move on the JSE nowadays is is is, is something. And uh, the all share is up in point nine two percent. All share index currently sitting on fifty six thousand one hundred forty nine. The all the top 40 index on forty nine thousand eight hundred ninety seven. And uh, the Rand easing back, uh, more stability in US bonds, weakness in China markets, uh, get a little bit of um, antipathy towards emerging markets, and suddenly uh, we see the Rand edging down. It's on 1457 at the moment to the dollar, 1929 to the pound, and on 1641 to the euro. Uh, according to ShareNet Sites, the most viewed shares today, the shares eliciting uh, the most interest, not necessarily the most movement, Steinhoff there in the number one spot as usual, uh, Sebania, the gold producer, is in second spot. Foresight, uh, which is uh, an investment holding company out of Mauritius, uh, it's in a little bit of trouble. It's not really sort of performing as people were hoping. It's the third most viewed share today, and on Nasdaq, uh, it remains also there. It's the fourth most viewed share according to the ShareNet website. Uh, the t- most, uh, the biggest movers on the JSE today in terms of winning, uh, ASOR, saw there. Um, that's the Manganese producer, it's up three point five four percent. CML, the food um, um, producer, is up three point two nine percent. Intropop, that's uh, a rate. Uh, a real estate investment trust is up three point oh eight. Uh, and then you've got Investec Limited, which is the South African Investec, is up two point six nine. And PNR Foods, another food processor, up two point five six. RCL, also foods. Up eight, down nine point eight point nine six, leading the leading the southward trend on the JSE today. KAP uh, just been sold uh, by Steinoff for four point eight billion rands today. They announced that was a very quick sale, I must say. Um, it was only two days ago, I think, on Monday. Uh, Steinoff said that they were putting uh, the stake up for sale, and poof, they've already sold it. Uh, cap uh, has gone down uh, seven point four one percent. Fortress B. Uh, that's another re- real estate investment trust uh, been in the news for all the wrong reasons recently. It's down 6.62. That was after gaining yesterday. that uh, it seems it's retraced those gains with interest today. It was up 4% yesterday. It's down 6% today. Uh, and, of course, that would have be been off a bigger base with that 4% uh, increase. So, yeah. Uh, MTN, uh, it's uh, before the Supreme Court in Lagos, arguing about a $2 billion fine that uh, nigerian authorities uh, want to impose on it they claim that they've been uh, returning revenues to south africa without paying taxes on it uh, mtn is saying that this is not true and while we wait and hear what's going to be the out- outcome there market getting getting a little bit nervous with the waiting and it's down and we see fortress a and fortress b um yeah both uh, i suppose the same re- real estate investment trust is the fifth biggest loser on the JSE today. Well, coming up uh, in the show later today, we've got uh, quite a few interesting things happening. Uh, We're going to be (coughs) uh, having having a guest on the show, inshallah, Yunus Bayat. He is president of the Association of South African Quantity Surveyors. Uh, This is in regards to the construction mafia that is holding the sector to ransom. There have been many stories coming out of the last few months. Uh, there's about 27 billion rands worth of contracts that have been disrupted over the last few months uh, in South Africa. That's a lot of money. We're going to be speaking to UNICE in a little while, inshallah, about how all of this is happening. Who are these people? Uh, why aren't the police doing anything? And what can what can the sector itself do in order to address this problem? It's, uh, it really is a big problem because, of course, construction sites uh, usually have more than a billion rands uh, worth of uh, work. Uh, tied up in them. Uh, Anytime uh, the construction goes wrong, well, then both sides, uh, before they even started construction, when they first signed the contracts, they've got performance guarantees and um, failure guarantees. And uh, when you disrupt a construction site that is based on getting things done every single day, uh, that can cause real big uh, headaches. Uh, I'm sure listeners will remember. Uh, last month, uh, we were we were speaking about the Aveng strabang joint venture when it had to terminate Sanrail's 1.654 billion 102 bridge contract in the Eastern Cape. That's because more than 84 days of construction had been disrupted by people claiming to be com- community representatives coming onto the site and intimidating workers. Uh, that's now resulted in a major court case between. Uh, Sanral and Aveng Sanral saying well they reckon that the problem is uh, Aveng's financial problems Aveng's got a lot of debt that is having to pay off and of course it's very difficult to do so without much uh, uh, work coming through from the government here in South Africa like many other South African construction companies it's basically living off uh, contracts in other countries Um, which uh, doesn't really sound really well for any construction company because you always have a lot of very expensive capital equipment, yellow machinery in your parking lot. And if those machines are just sitting still and not doing anything, it's going to be costing you a whole lot of money. And, uh, while well, there have been criticisms of the construction sector by some analysts saying that in actual fact uh, the construction sh- construction sector should have leaned down after the World Cup, uh, particularly after the revelations of, of corruption and bribes being paid. The construction industry should have scaled down and should have prepared itself for a leaner environment. Uh, Some analysts say they waited too long. They should have taken proactive action earlier. But nevertheless, irrespective of whether or not your board has miscalculated the business cycle, uh, it is impossible to try and uh, predict when someone has got it into his head that he's going to come onto your construction site and he is going to disrupt things because uh, you see uh, every construction site first thing in the morning uh, before any of the workers have come onto site, you've got management there working out, okay, what is our schedule for today? We've got to get the cement, cement trucks coming onto the site at this time. We're going to be pouring at this time. or We're going to be uh, you know, cutting and grinding, and we're going to prepare in this site for additional work for tomorrow. And uh, you've got to have several teams all over all over the site who are busy with different aspects of of construction. And uh, and as soon as one of those goes wrong, that can cause the entire construction site to suddenly uh, bottleneck. Uh, suddenly, you've got a huge big traffic jam. What happens if you've, if you've got huge eight eight huge big um, cement trucks? that are on the way to your site Uh, they've got wet cement in them Uh, they've got to keep their their barrels turning to keep the 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 cement wet They arrive in the site, what they want to do. The cement company wants to pour its cement and take its trucks back. Because, of course, the construction company also has to pay for for its trucks. Its trucks also cost it money. Uh, So, you know, if a builder suddenly says no, 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 just got to wait a few hours we've got a a community protest happening here, but in actual fact very often it's not. It's been called a construction mafia. And uh, the fact that it's happening all over the country indicates that there's some kind of concerted action, some kind of some kind of concerted planning that's going on behind it. So, uh, yeah, we'll be speaking to Yunus in a little while about that. Also coming up later in the show, we have a Steinoff. Uh, we'll be looking at Steinoff sending KRP for 4.8 4. billion Rand. And, of course, uh, the mining industry has uh, announced that they're going to be taking the mining charter for judicial review uh, this is a bit of a bloody nose for the president because in his State of the Nation address, he trumpeted uh, the signing of the mining charter as one of the major successes from last year. Now it would appear that the mining industry wants to go back to the drawing board. Uh, it speaks speaks tomes more than anything that I can say about um, about the uh, about about the construction about the about the mining industry it's such a vital industry here in South Africa. 24 years after democracy, we still haven't worked out a mining charter. This is like uh, our core industry that we have in South Africa. We haven't worked on like actual real like sort of beneficiation plans and so on. We're still arguing about uh, the, the overarching, the overarching um, the blueprint for the industry, which is what the mining charter is. And uh, after all these years, we still have nothing left. It's a bit like, um, you know, uh, uh, Northern Ireland peace talks. You know, the British love to like uh, kind of like talk and talk and say we're going to do that. And then they end up like 20 years later and you still know nothing. And this is what happens in Northern Ireland. We're still sitting with Northern Ireland. Um, <clears throat> it sounds as though the mining industry has turned into a talk shop rather than a workshop. And well, maybe now it's going to be talk- turning into a workshop because Banya says it wants to leave South Africa. It seems that Neil Frodemann has thrown his toys out of the cot. He has just had enough. He says they're going to go and take the major listing somewhere else. Uh, Sabanya at the moment has got a primary listing on the JSC. It has a secondary listing in New York. But it says we've had enough. We're going to take our mining listing uh, over somewhere else. Well, Neil... You can take your mining listing to any uh, environment or any jurisdiction anywhere in the world, but your holes in the ground they are going to remain in South Africa. It's not like you're going to be able to solve your problems by moving your listing overseas. Your mines, your minerals, your ore, your workers, uh, your people, your board, they're all over here. They're all over here. So um, I think you're basically sh- spitting into the wind uh, with this kind of... Uh, The statement coming out today, I can understand it. It must be hugely frustrating. Workers have been on strike at Sabanya since November last year, uh, and it's still going on. Sabanya was hoping after winning this court case last week that the workers were going to return to work, but it doesn't look as though that's going to happen, and the disruptions are continuing. Uh, The European Union uh, has backed down from including Saudi Arabia on a terror list. Uh, they were moved see, in the European Union to include uh, Saudi Arabia along with a whole lot of other miscreants uh, as a sponsor of terror. Uh, it looks like Riyadh has stepped in and said, Oh, oil, 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 oil. We've got our national uh, investment fund that's got billions and billions tied up and uh, waiting for investment in the European Union. If you want that to continue, well, then reconsider. Uh, It appears uh, that also a whole lot of uh, defense contracts are also suddenly up in the air. Uh, One of the main reasons why Britain and France, two of the most uh, blood-hungry nations in the world, uh, also are the main defenders uh, of this issue because, of course, they've got... Massive amounts of arms pouring into Saudi Arabia. Uh, One has to ask the question, who's actually going to use these arms? Saudi Arabia, by far the biggest uh, import of arms in the world today, uh, but isn't a very dangerous region in the world. But it wasn't a very dangerous region until 1947. It wasn't the world's big danger spot until 1947, when... uh, The United Nations recognized the apartheid state of Israel, and since then things have been going downhill. Uh, We had uh, major developments this week. Uh, President Trump recognizing uh, Israel's claim to the Golan Heights, that's just after a few months ago, he recognized uh, Israel's claim as Jerusalem as its capital. Uh, And, yes, if you're feeling as though you've got a knife in the back, well, you can say thank you very much, Donald Trump. Uh, Rand is weakened as U.S. bonds stabilized, and, uh, well, that's basically uh, sort of a, uh, a general rule for the South African Rand on a regular basis, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Well, the rand extended its losses uh, today with the greenback edging higher. That's thanks to U.S. Treasury yields, the sign of much attention and concern. Uh, they stabilised, and uh, there was also weakness in Asian markets. And as a result, the rand was trading at fourteen forty-seven to the dollar this morning, uh, as around about the same level at the moment as we said, and. Uh, Analysts say that they see the RAN continue to see-saw as the week goes on. They're struggling to retain retain momentum in either direction. It's kind of like a bit like the JSE at the moment. doesn't know whether it wants to go up or doesn't know whether it wants to go down. Uh, U.S. investors uh, stand in on the sidelines. Nevertheless, we continue to get the easy carry trade money flowing into the JSE, paying off our our national uh, trade debt, trade deficit, uh, but whether or not that's something that continue can continue in uh, uh, forever and ever, well, that's a question that remains to be seen. An uptick, and sorry, an uptick in the dollar and a slowdown in the Asian market rally in the overnight session were adding pressure to the local unit, according to Bianca Burtis, a uh, corporate treasury manager at Peregrine Treasury Solutions. Locally, with no top dear data due, investors are waiting for tomorrow's Central Bank Monetary Policy Committee decision. Are they going to in- increase interest rates? Are going to keep them where they are, or are they going to decrease them? There's a lot of talk in the market that interest rates need to come down. Uh, firstly, uh, the United States Fed has made it very clear that they are not going to be in- increasing interest rates for the rest of the year. Uh, Given that our interest rates are basically a reflection of United States interest rates, they've got a 2.75% interest, Uh, in the European Union they've got 0% interest, Uh, we need to maintain a differential between our interest rate and the United States and European interest rates because if people can't play the Riba game and bring their money to South Africa, invest in the stock exchange, single stock futures or similar uh, contracts, uh, where you invest in the underlying stock, uh, x the dividend, and instead of the dividend you invest in the interest rate. That means, like immediately, you're looking at something like sort of six, seven percent profit without actually having doing anything. You sort of guaranteed we're going to give you this profit. Of course, as we, we've spoken about in other shows, uh, the way that the way, the way this game plays. Uh, doesn't always mean it's a sure thing. Things can go very badly wrong. Uh, weaknesses in uh, economies like the United States or Europe can see the money suddenly is swishing, disappearing almost overnight. Can be constrained by term contracts with ETFs and so on uh, to keep them in a little bit longer. We have that cushion, uh, but you know, essentially, it is still. Um, Pernicious funds coming into our market. It's not like a foreign direct investment. Uh, you can, um, if you, if you get a foreign investor who comes onto the market and he he invests in factories, if he builds something, if he digs a mine, uh, suddenly he's putting his money into the ground. He can't just like kind of like take that money out. That means that you've got to make a much bigger commitment to uh to 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 your project but if you're just bringing your money in and you're buying a share and you're going to take the money out again it's not like you're you're here for for the benefit of of anyone locally and so we're 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 hoping that this is going to work out uh well i mean you know i've said before that's like we're the we're the rent boy on the um on the on the uh we were with we a rent boy on the uh, international markets. Um, well, we seem to be having trouble getting hold of Eunice there. Um, uh, well, hopefully, we'll be able to get hold of him a little bit later in the show. Uh, the industry body, the Mining Council, uh, representing South African mining companies, said today it had filed an application for judicial reviews to set aside certain clauses, clauses of the 1918 Mining Charter. A new version of the charter which sets ownership and other industry targets was unveiled last year. A crucial step to attracting further investment in a sector laid low by depressed prices, soaring costs and murky policy. Well, you know, uh, we thought that the murky policy was no longer that murky. Now it would appear that there are additional problems. Uh, It may have something to do with Sabanya's Sabanya's ongoing problems. Perhaps uh, the industry bosses are saying, we thought this kind of thing would be behind us. We thought the government would be intervening as, as a good partner or something. We thought somehow or other these problems were going to go away. We signed the charter last year. We all said that this was a new era we're going into. And instead it looks as though we're walking backwards. Well, um, you know, I guess you couldn't say that the mining charter is a blank check, but really, uh, you know, uh, according to the mining, uh, the, mi- the South African Mining Council, the new version of the mining charter, which sets ownership and other industry targets, was unveiled last year. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, it's twenty nineteen. It's twenty nineteen. 1994 was a long, long time ago. Long, long time ago. Really, we need to have moved beyond this point, and we haven't. Uh Ah, too much of the same story every day, isn't it? Okay, well, anyway, Steinhoff said today it had raised 4.8 billion rands from the sale of its 26% stake in Cap Industrial. That's uh, because it needs to pay off debt, it says, and to shore up its finances. Mm, it kind of like worries me because I know that there are some uh, dividends due to, um, you know, those kind of like end share holders. Uh, they're the guys that get special dividends and they get special voting rights. And I kind of like wondering, uh, you know, they say they haven't to pay a debt. Do they mean a debt to their shareholders in terms of dividends owed? Uh, are they willing to pay the very alleged miscreants at the head of Steinoff? Uh, with this money that they've got from the sale of CAP. Uh, given all of the ructions coming out of Steinhoff, given the presentation that they made before the Parliamentary Oversight Committee, uh, headed up by Yunus Karim uh, recently, where they didn't even mention the word fraud. They said uh, their accounting standards weren't up to scratch. But in actual fact, it's been massive, massive, fraud money laundering misrepresentation all kind of the worst things that white collar business can get up to uh so you know uh, you can say mean, you are being nasty on Steinhoff by asking questions about exactly how they going to pay that 4.8 billion rand but what how they are going to use that money uh but sure you know um you know when you're when when trust has taken such a blow Uh, you you, you can't expect uh, presumptions of good business going forward. And uh, I'm just that kind of guy. When when you have fire and flames and you have smoke, I'm the kind of guy that says it's it's either time to get the host pipe out or the buddhavos out. Uh, And if it's not buddhavos time, then you're probably going to have a fight in your hands. And uh, that's the way it's looking with Steinoff at the moment. It, um, it admitted to what it called accounting regularities, and they really haven't moved any further beyond that, uh, as we heard before uh, from their testimony before Parliament. Uh, Steinoff admitted accounting regularities in December 2017, shocking investors who had backed its, in- invention, its reinvention as a small South African business to a multinational retailer at the vanguard of the European discount funeral in this <laughs> well, there's a Freudian slip for you, not funeral industry, F- furniture, retail industry. It wiped about 80% off its market value. It's uh, sitting at less than two rand today. At, the, at that stage of December 2017, it was above 95 rands. Uh, and uh, that must have shocked a lot of people, including the Public Investment Corporation, which is the administrator of uh, South Africa's government pension funds. Uh also a big investor in Steinoff. You know, this was one of the blue chip companies. And uh, by all accounts, the kind of skullduggery that it's top executives we're getting out of uh, it really is an indictment, not just uh, against uh, Steinoff and the individuals involved, but it's also a massive indictment against the auditing profession, the accounting profession. Uh, that this could have allowed been allowed to go on without it being picked up. KPMG uh just two weeks ago issued uh another mayor culpa and said, No, we've really cleaned up everything here now. Uh please, South Africa must forgive us. And uh well I must admit that South Africans can't really be feeling in a forgiving mood. We hear so much uh, coming out of our mainstream media about the misdemeanors and the miscreants that we have in government. Uh, Yet, we haven't seen the same kind of uh, action being taken against uh, Marcus. oh dear the chief executive's name has just slipped my mind against the chief executives and the and the top brass there we haven't seen photographs we haven't seen photographs of their um we haven't seen photographs of uh, of their homes and so on we haven't seen um we haven't seen uh you know Accounts of how, how much, uh, how we, where they spent the holidays. We know nothing about their wives or their mistresses. We know nothing about their second uh, homes. We know nothing about uh, their trips over to Europe and so on. We don't hear anything about that. Uh, but when it comes to government, then, like, you know, all gloves are off. But when it comes to Steinhoff, I mean, really, can you say that that, uh, uh, that the Steinhoff guys have been treated in the same way as, as government? Why? Why um, is it so that uh, I mean? I mean, this goes more than just advertising revenue because the government, a few years ago, about ten years ago, decided, okay, we're going to try and sweet talk uh, the media into uh, into coming over onto our side. I mean, if the piper, uh, if the piper makes what's it? Uh, he who pays the piper makes the tune. He may, he decides what's going to be played. Uh, well, okay. The government made a, whole mon- a lot of money available. Now, you would think that especially newspapers uh, going into such a troubled um, business cycle, if you want to call it that, what with the smartphones coming over and taking over as a main source of news nowadays, the newspapers have basically been blown away by the smartphones. Uh, there wasn't any kind of like innovative uh, steps being taken to generate extra income or find additional income streams. Uh, there's a lot of money that was sitting in local government available for advertising, and it seems that it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been accessed by the newspapers. I do see the Citizen nowadays has taken up an idea that I had before the DA government in the Johannesburg Metro came in. Uh, I suggested to the publisher that they should go to the Johannesburg Metro and see what they can do about getting uh, getting uh, cooperative kind of like. Pr- projects going, you know, promoting Johannesburg and you get additional advertising that way. I see uh, now that the DA government is coming, <laughs> now the citizen is doing that there. Um, I don't know if that's coincidental or not. Uh, but really, uh, it's this uh, this tie-up between, uh, like, particularly our financial newspapers, in most particular Business Day, Uh why? Why aren't government uh, projects and programs uh, taken up uh, with a more serious heart by our newspapers? Uh, I've just been told that we've got Eunice online. We're just going to go for a quick commercial break. And when we come back from that, we'll be speaking about the construction mafia. It really makes for a fascinating story. Don't go away. <laughs> We live in a dangerous and unpredictable world. Markets turn and economies crash without warning. Staying ahead of the investment game is more difficult than ever. Join me, Alameen Templeton, every day between 7 and 8 p.m. on Business Matters for concise news and analysis of important events that are shaping the world, your life, and your pocket. You snooze, you lose. Avondale Musalla corner of Avondale and Argyle Road. Musalla open for five daily
2: salah as well as Jummah salah.
0: You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jamaah. So- uh,
1: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. I do believe we've got Yunus on the line now. That's Yunus Bayat. He's president of the Association of South African Quantity Surveyors. Uh, he's joined us. He's agreed to to speak with us about uh, the construction mafia that is holding the construction sector to ransom. That's one of South Africa's biggest employers. Uh, there's apparently like over more than 27 billion rands with contracts that uh, have been disrupted or endangered by these actions. We, we brought to you the news uh, last month about Aving uh, Strabang's joint venture deciding to terminate uh, Sanoil's 1.6 billion rand and intend to bridge contract in the Eastern Cape. The 1.16 kilometer bridge... Well, it's not a bridge yet, is it? Uh, it's supposed to form part of Sanral's N2 Wild Coast Road project. It was hyped as one of the longest main span balanced cantilever bridges in the world, reaching heights of around 220 meters. Uh, Aveng has said that he's been unable to work on the project site since October 22 owing to continuing community unrest and protest action related to community demands on Sanral. Uh, but Sanral has claimed that his engagement process with the community had resolved problems and work could continue safely. It said Weng uh, was uh, using uh, this as an excuse to get out of its financial difficulties. But I must say, uh, after having heard of Eng's side of the story, It really does sound as though something uh, very, very dangerous is happening on our construction sites, which are a dangerous place to be at any time of the day of the year. Um, Aveng explained that, uh, you know, uh, like with this bridge, you have to pour concrete down like 180, 180 meters now, you know, to, to, to pour concrete, uh, concrete down 180 meters, you first got to get it up 180 meters. Uh, that means that your concrete, uh, if you wait too long, the concrete is going to be half dry by the time you get it to the top. If you have other delays, it's going to be rock solid by the time it hits the bottom, and uh, your, your bridge will not be, will not be built. Um, Yunus, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.
2: Wa salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
1: Yunus, this is a problem uh, that's been going on in the construction sector for how long?
2: Look, in chatting to the WBHO director earlier today, they're saying it's been going on from 2015 at the scale and level where it is at at the moment. Mm. We, We thought this was going on from 2016. Of course, it has been going on from a bit longer than that, from as long as seven or eight years ago. Um, It wasn't as serious a problem as it has become of recent where people are storming building sites with weapons in their hands and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we we could say if it's a problem, then it's been a real problem for the past two to three years.
1: Typically, what happens?
2: Uh, That puts me in the spot because, Mm. as as I've had to say, In previous interviews, I cannot be the expert because I haven't had a first-hand experience. But from reports we are receiving, it appears that these so-called organizations, or as we are labeling them as mafia groups, they are storming the building sites. They pitch up there, it's almost as if they're at home and they want everyone else to listen to them and how they, how things are going to be. They will sit and ask to meet with the foreman, they'll help themselves to chairs, help themselves to the tables. They'll probably pretty much tell other people how they're gonna be seated around the discussion. And then they'll start asking questions such as who's the subcontractors on this project responsible for each of the different trades um the foreman might inform them that so-and-so subcontractor or ABC subcontractor is handling the, the concrete work, XYZ is handling the ceiling, joinery or drywall partitioning. And then these guys would say, well, that's fine, that's no problem. But guess what? We've brought some people along with us and they're good to do your, your ceilings. So don't worry about the people you're engaged with or the people you're in contract with or even in joint venture with. These guys on our left and some of these guys on our right—they'll take care of your so-and-so subcontract. So, it's been, it's been demand, and that's what it is.
1: Uh, what do the trade unions had to say about this? I, I, I would think that you know, um, if uh, you've got workers employed on on a contract like, say, the intend to bridge contract, there, now the whole thing has been shut down. Now people don't have work. Don't the trade unions uh, have something to say about this?
2: Okay, so we haven't as yet been engaging per se with trade unions, but Mm. then we have a very powerful construction sector which manages its own problems directly. Um, The bottom line here is, I guess, maybe what we should be asking is what do the local communities have to say about it? Because uh, this is, if anything at all, it's meant to be intended, or at least this attempt to, to look at sharing the inverted commas wealth on a construction project is meant to be shared with local communities empowering people of the locality of where a particular project is being constructed. But that is not the case. That is not what is happening. This is just little groups of people who have just become very, very powerful. And they're self-centered people. They have their own interests at heart. They are not sharing anything with the community. They're not taking anything back to the community. We, we, we cannot be experts in, 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 in saying that that is completely the case, but I can assure you from what we're hearing, and we've already heard reports, and I will not be quoted on these, but mm-hmm. we've heard reports of amounts being paid to keep people quiet. Uh, the other day I got a shocking amount on a large project
1: of, mm-hmm.
2: wait for this, 20 million rand that was quoted. Wow. Again, I will not refer to which project it is because there's different views on mm-hmm. what happened over there. It's, it's a large project. It's, it's a multi-billion rand project in our country. But um, these are all, uh, some of these are unconfirmed reports. Some of them we have access to information where we can extract data and extrapolate and put stuff together. Mm. It, it's really an awkward situation, Alameen, because everything's happening very fresh at the moment um requires a lot of dissection of all the information that's coming through for understanding as mm. we talk i'm hearing i mean this afternoon i was having a chat to like i said to the director at wbho and the individual is telling me that um there's been two subcontractors already murdered on a building site and i'm thinking to myself wait a minute i don't even know about this yeah so this is all fresh news alamin I mean, Everything is just evolving as we are talking.
1: Have you spoken to the police, the special investigations unit, the Hawks?
2: Okay, so again it's not us but of course typically the, con- uh, the building contractors mm-hmm. when they encounter yeah. the situation they do indeed uh, get hold of the SAPS and they would explain to them that hello we have a problem on our building site, this is our emergency could you please come out here and protect our lives and that's we all know it is meant to be the mandate of the SAPS, yes. and so they do get contacted. the SAPS will come out of site, will do an assessment of the situation. I've heard stories about SAPS coming on site and handshakes between themselves and these so-called perpetrators.
1: Yes, can I just say that uh, that Aveng uh, says that, that they intend to bridge uh, contact, uh, the police actually escorted uh, these people onto the site?
2: I've heard that as well. Again, I cannot confirm it, but it seems that's what has happened. I've seen a written report to that effect as well. It appears that is what happened. It's weird. It's co- completely unexplainable. doesn't make sense. It almost sounds like we're not functioning in a normal society suddenly. Mm. Because That's where this is all starting to look like it's heading. We can't have it like that. It can't be.
1: Uh, Does there seem to be something coordinated about it? Do do you see similar players uh, surfacing on different construction sites?
2: Yes. Okay, so initially, or some while ago, we thought, at least a year and a half ago, when we started tackling this matter, we thought there was a single coordinated effort or from a single Mm. organization stroke business forum. But as it turns out, there's a lot more people who are just jumping on board by the looks of it because in chatting to um, a project manager on one of the other larger construction companies, he tells me on Sunday that they were busy on some roads project and initially they had to contend with uh, a so-called business forum who, in all honesty, they tend to operate a lot more. Uh, shall I use the word normally or operationally,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: then they would then yield or give in to the need stroke demands of this organization and then suddenly two or three weeks later they would then be visited by the local taxi association and then they would have to re-engage in talks with these guys, come up with a solution with them, some sort of negotiated settlement and then a couple of weeks or days or whatever later, then suddenly there's another new group coming to see them on the very same construction site. Yeah. And these are unprecedented events that, that are simply intolerable. You know, you, you, you almost want to say, fine, we'll deal with one group and be over with them. Mm. And maybe normalization will restore on our building site. But then when once it becomes an ongoing activity, you don't know what's going to be the case tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Um, have has the construction sector engaged national government on this in any way?
2: Yeah, so uh, communications have already been forwarded to our president of South Africa, to our ministers as well for intervention and that is the bottom line right now. Mm-hmm. We require national government intervention because the problem is now obviously reached a scale, which again, like I said earlier, is unprecedented so definitely we're looking at national intervention, um, communications have already started with them, we've been told that we can expect, well on Monday we were told we can expect a response a week from then, so I reckon if we had to wait until next week, Monday coming, perhaps and hopefully by then we have something. And we're hoping that what we get from government is something that is tangible and meaningful, That shows that we can have results and mm-hmm. that's going to be solutions. They may not be immediate solutions but certainly something that comes from government because it has to come from national government. It cannot come from SA, from the SAPS unfortunately. We know our position with the SAPS with due respect but they, to a certain degree they have their hands tied as well. I feel silly that I have to say this mm-hmm. uh, especially that we know again that they're meant to protect our lives and
1: they're, they're stressed in that department as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a, a policeman who finds himself suddenly stuck between a huge big construction company and r uh, uh, community members, uh, he, he can probably see this thing, uh, if this stuff, thing does snowball, you know, it's going to become just a general disorder. And police kind of hate that kind of situation.
2: Absolutely. I um, cannot blame them because they know that within themselves their remote resources are limited too. So mm. they don't know where they're going to stand if a situation had to erupt. I can I can also say this, Alamin, that, they, that we have been receiving confirmed reports recently that on a particular project in the Kz and northern areas, mm-hmm. uh, a project was awarded to a black emerging contractor and that is what our country is looking to do and that is where our empowerment projects are, are, are or rather our empowerment principles are aimed at and headed and it works mm-hmm. it's been happening already for many years that empowerment uh, aligned contracts have been awarded already and so this in this example we're talking about a black fully 100% black owned black managed black run building contractor was accosted by similar organizations he refused to yield, mm. and he was murdered.
1: What was his name?
2: No, nah, I cannot okay. uh, go right. back. Okay. It, it may eventually come out. Yeah, um, come out, but I'm not going there. So this this is really weird because it, it just doesn't make sense. You know, where we think, well, w- what wasn't achieved in awarding a contract? To, to an SMME or to an empowerment-aligned contractor. What wasn't achieved that this had to happen, that somebody's life had to be taken? Yeah. This is intolerable, I mean,
1: Yeah, because, I mean, that's like the the triple A kind of like blue ribbon kind of uh, reach-out uh, in terms of uh, our systemic uh, efforts after 1994, I suppose you could say. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like... Um, this is like a, a, um, the best of the best that you have, you know, in terms of giving hope for the new South Africa. Sure. And even this isn't going to work. Hmm?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, it really is sad because I personally believe that we have moved forward in huge strides and we've made progress in leaps and bounds as a country. Mm. We've mm. gone places we can look around us sometimes when we are in the more developed part of our country. And we can see where we've gotten to, even with the the, the great new change that we've had in our country. But this is one of those typical items that that has the the full capability to to derail us completely. Mm. It's already derailing a huge sector In our economy, uh, the construction industry is a very big contributor to our GDP. Mm -hmm. If you had to combine the construction industry with mining, that already brings up to about 15%. And if you had to even look at the spin-off effects on the other sectors,
1: you know, in our
2: economy and GDP, construction features big in all Mm. of
1: those. Yeah metals cement all I'm kinds looking. of all kinds of materials have to go into supplying the construction sent me, sector. Um,
2: uh, uh, with advice sent me some information today with some different statistics of which sectors contribute how they do contribute to our gdp mm. an example there will be industry or it'll be oh sorry sorry manufacturing and mm. uh, it might say 15 percent, and i'm saying yes Manufacturing may be 15%, and construction is only shown at 3.7, and mining is shown at 8%. the combined, 15 or whatever. Mm. But if manufacturing uh, is at 15%, where are people manufacturing these goods? They're not manufacturing them out underneath the trees. Yeah. They're manufacturing them in buildings built mm. by the construction sector.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: Uh, Real estate is another one that's been coached, listing uh, very high up in the ranking in contribution to our GDP. But again, real estate can be looked at. Let's look around us again. Our modern-day real estate is all buildings and, buildings and structures that were erected in the last 10 years or so. Yes. So again, these were all brought in through revenue or from the construction industry. So whilst we might look at the construction industry as either a 4% contributor to the GDP... Or and again, if you add, if you're combining it with mining, then you can increase the numbers there. But Mm -hmm. it's slightly misleading when we're trying to understand the real size and value of our construction industry in our country in terms of our economic empowerment and our economic growth.
1: In terms of doing things yourselves, uh, uh, I mean, you kind of like sort of think of uh, how about hiring someone like the Red Ants or something. Um, is this a problem that can be solved with additional security, or is it something that goes beyond that?
2: Well, I mean, I can assure you that all of these construction sites have probably stepped up their security, mm. I would think as much as threefold or quadruple, who knows, mm. because this problem is a real problem. Uh, to think of going any further with additional security, I don't know if that could be the solution, but I still maintain what I've said on one occasion that. We have a very strong defense force. They are well present at some of our strategic points, like our airports and stations and all that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Our national government must follow up this, leave now, and say, okay, let's find some other use for the SAMDF and say, fine. Let's start deploying them at strategic places and say, let's look at how we can curl this whole thing and bring some peace and restore some dignity back in this industry. We cannot have people being killed.
1: That's just simply not going to be happening. It cannot be allowed to continue. Yunus Bayat, President of the Association of South African Quantity Surveyors. Jazakumullah for joining us on Business Matters. Uh, Inshallah, uh, things with uh, putting uh, wise heads together, uh, we're going to work this out.
2: Inshallah, thanks for having me over. I guess we cannot forget that to us are always most important, of paramount importance, and that must be our beginning, basically.
1: Amen. Jazakumala. Ameen. Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Raktulaywa. Sure, well, interesting. Um, you know, there, 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 there are some cities in Africa where you can enjoy a cup of coffee while uh, a security guard with a machine gun. I um, make sure that no one, <laughs> no one disturbs you. Uh, are we heading that way? Um, you know, uh, when an economy is unable to take care of its consumers, an economy in Africa is unable to, like, ensure that it has a healthy consumer base. Those consumers uh, stop paying taxes. You know, if you don't have a job, you can't pay tax. If your business has gone under, you can't pay tax. Um, If uh, you haven't had any electricity and now your business has gone bust, you're not going to pay tax. If uh, the roads uh, that's supposed to service your mine or your business uh, are full of potholes and you can't get deliveries, your business is going to go down, you're not going to go pay tax. So now if you have a central government for the people, they will ensure that all of these things are done. If you have a central government that is a government for itself, and the government is going to suck all of the value out of the society at the expense of the people who used to be consumers, but now they can't consume anything, so you can't even call them consumers anymore. Um, and then when that starts happening, then the government is unable to pay money to the army. Then the army says, well, in that case, we're going to have to go get money from somewhere else. Then you have something like you're having a DRC. You have a general who arrives at a mine and says, this mine is my mine, all the workers flee. The general sends his soldiers into the surrounding villages, and suddenly people are working at gunpoint. Uh, we see uh, the military turning against residents in Harare and Bulawayo uh, as that economy gets into trouble, Zimbabwe's economy gets into trouble. Uh, how far away are we from that? Zimbabwe had land invasions 20 years after democracy in the year 2000. They got democracy in 1980. Uh, land invasions happened in the year 2000. We're 24 years after democracy. Uh, we've had limited land invasions in South Africa, and basically most of the land invasions that have been happening have been happening around the, the, the urban areas rather than in the rural areas. Um, Food security, all of these things uh, are a major issue. Um, I would say we're still a long way off from our consumer base being completely eroded in South Africa. Uh, But already you're getting people starting to talk about going on a tax strike and all of these kinds of things. Why should we pay money to the government? Because they're just going to spend it on their mistresses in Switzerland. I mean, you know, it's something like you would have said about the apartheid government here in apartheid. But now we're looking at this problem today. Uh, not that we're anything special. South Africa is. I'm afraid that this story that we have in South Africa is a very typical one that is unfolding right across the globe. Well, apparently not in New Zealand with Asinda. Um, uh, she had some really nice comments to make in 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 the wake of the Christchurch massacre. Uh, although I must uh, also point out that. Uh, uh, shortly before that, uh, Jacinda Ardern had also approved uh, a continuing keeping New Zealand troops in Iraq. So you know they're not all the beautiful, clean, wonderful, la- lovely Mother Teresa wannabes that uh, the media tries to portray them as. Uh, but then again, they, they they're not Muslims, you know. But at the same time, South Africa, you know, we're all in this together. It doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or a Christian, a Hindu or a Jew. Uh, you know, uh, when water comes out of your tap and it's brown and muddy, you're in trouble. Uh, and really, uh, something, something, oh Allah, have mercy on this country. Oh Allah, bring our people together in the true spirit of Simun. Yeah. Ya Rahman, bless him Zansi. Ya ya Kayyum, ya, ya oh Allah, have mercy. Ya Al-Kahar, ya Al-Wahad, ya razak Ya Fatah, Ya Alimu, Ya Qabidu, Ya Basitu, Ya Allah, bless our risk. O oh Allah, bless our amal in the course of our risk. O oh Allah, bless our risk in the gathering, in the holding, and in the release. Ya Rahman, bless us with contentment. O oh Allah, bless this country with Hidayat. Ya Allah, if you do not bless this country with the day, at the very least, make the people well inclined towards the ummah. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa Well, uh, that's really, we're going to have to wind things down now. Um, tomorrow, inshallah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a look back at that. In fact, maybe we'd have a bit of time. Uh, the European Union has been busy trying to put together an anti-terror list, an anti-money laundering list, uh, an anti-terror uh, sponsorship list, and uh, along with the usual kind of like uh, people that you would expect to see on an EU list, you know, I mean uh, like uh, the, the the truly obvious um, miscreants who should be included on an anti-terror watch list should be the United States, France, and Britain. Uh, but the European Union was too timid to go that far. <clears throat> and instead, they thought they'd, uh, they'd instead, uh, uh, you know, express their, their outrage and um, by including the Saudi Arabia on the list. Saudi Arabia made some noises, and, well, today, uh, EU members rejected the listing at present state. Uh, they say that, uh, well... And apparently the two biggest people opposing uh, the Saudi Arabia's inclusion on that list were Britain and France. Because, of course, they wanted to sell a whole lot of weapons to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and we wonder why uh, the Holy Land, Arabia, is being turned into such a dangerous place. In some ways, you know, Allah Ta'ala, I suppose, if, he, if he's going to start a real big cleanup before the time of the D- Dajjal, I mean, where would he start? He would start with the Holy Land. Is that what's happening now? Is it the big cleanup coming? The grinder is coming, the grinder is coming. I saw an alim a few weeks ago, a few years ago saying that the grinder is coming, the grinder is coming. Well it hasn't hit South Africa yet, Alhamdulillah. Oh Allah have mercy on this country. Oh Allah protect this country. Oh Allah guide this country. And bless us with leaders who fear you and who do not oppress. That's all we have time for for today. Jazakallah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable and above all halal. salamu alaykum wa wa barakatuh.
0: You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah.